0: on this episode of the multi-amory podcast we are talking about gender sexuality and fairness this is uh, a big topic I mean I guess I feel like a lot of our topics have been big lately we just can't get away from these really you know, the
1: human heart Jace is the a, human heart
0: yeah the human heart is deep
1: a, and wide.
0: Deep and wide. It's got
1: a fountain flowing, deep and wide.
0: I love that you. I love that you worked in a Christian song into this intro here. That's great. Yeah, we're gonna talk about. Aim
1: to sprinkle in Christianity into our heathen topic of polyamory.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, we're gonna be talking about gender, um, some differences between the experience of people who identify as male or female in terms of their poly journey or their just their dating journey mm-hmm. in general. Um, also about sexuality, um, most specifically talking about bisexuality and um, or you know polysexuality or pansexuality or omnisexuality or whatever, you know all these terms that uh, kind of have been created around this not gay, not straight, but something else. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then uh, also talking about fairness, just this idea of, um, of this struggle for fairness that a lot of us feel compelled toward and some ways to think about that. Uh, Mm. and some, some advice from the Buddha at the end here. The Buddha himself (laughs) makes a guest appearance on the (laughs) multi
1: Amory podcast, man, that's who we should get, Jace.
0: That would be the best guest ever. Can you imagine
1: if we got the Buddha?
0: That'd be so good.
1: And he would like promote us to his followers. Oh man, that'd be great.
0: Oh man, yeah, I bet he's got a sick Twitter. Okay, follower. yeah.
1: Let's see if we can we can contact the Buddha's people. <laughs> see
0: if we could. Okay, we'll get our we'll get our people on that. Have our people uh-huh. talk to his people. Exactly. That'd be great. Yeah.
1: Okay. So this discussion was inspired, oddly enough, by Comic Con.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this this last weekend. Uh, Well, I guess when this episode comes out, it will be a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was just at Comic-Con this last weekend, and uh, it was great. And, um... Good story. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, uh, the reason. Okay, why so talk- you went to Comic Con. Yeah. You dressed
1: up as like a super sexy red sun Superman. Yes, um, I dressed up as which red is sun like Superman. Definitely the most important part of the story.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna post some pictures of that on our Patreon group mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who want to check it out.
1: Oh, uh, definitely. Trust me, you want to check it out.
0: So the fun thing about Red Sun Superman is that it's an alternate reality version of Superman where his space pod that lands on Earth when he's a baby uh, lands 12 hours later. So instead of landing in the Midwest, it lands in uh, in Soviet Russia. It actually lands in the Ukraine, uh, which is part mm-hmm. of the USSR because it's all like during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, grows up rather than fighting for truth, justice, and the American way, is truth, justice, and the Soviet way. Mm. Uh, what's cool about it, though, is that he's still a good guy. Like He's still mm-hmm. the same person. He's still Superman, who wants to save everyone and never wants to hurt anybody, mm-hmm. but believes in communism instead of believing mm. in capitalism. Uh, so it's it's this really cool alternate version, and, and it's sort of relevant to what we're talking about today in that it's it's not just the opposite of another thing, it's just different. Like, that things mm. can be different and still the same. Like, I would have people stop me and say, who didn't know who the character was? Uh-huh. And say, oh, is this, like, uh, you know, Superman gone bad, or evil Superman or something? I'm like, no, he's a communist, he's still a good guy, though. And it would leave uh-huh. them just looking confused. Like the idea that a communist could be a good guy.
1: Well, we, I mean, we've so been taught to associate the word communism with
0: you're as sure? being a bad word. Yeah, yeah, know? with the enemy, yeah. that, that communists yeah, are bad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so it's one of the things that I really appreciate about that graphic novel, and it is kind of related mm. to what we're talking about. So...
1: Yeah, so yeah, when you're at Comic-Con, yeah. you ended up going to a, an interesting-sounding panel...
0: Yeah, so on on my last day, on on the Sunday at the end uh, I was looking through, you know, I'd kind of run out of stuff to do I had bought the things I was going to buy And I was looking through the schedule of the panels And I saw one that was titled Bisexuality and Beyond And it was about bisexuality in popular media Meaning not only comic books, but also TV shows, movies, stuff like that uh, and, and and you know normal books, not not just comic books too. And I was like, man, that's I didn't expect to see something like that at Comic Con. I'm going to go check that out. Um, it also happened to end up being next door to the room that was the panel about um, Christian comics. Uh, oh, interestingly interesting. enough. Yes. Huh. <laughs> I didn't go into that one. So I don't know what... Dang, that'd
1: be an interesting panel to...
0: I saw to their booth. There was a booth that, about yeah. Christian, Christian-based Christian comics, specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, but I didn't end up talking to them to find out more about that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to that <laughs> panel, because I was next door at this one about bisexuality.
1: About bisexuality. <laughs> Got it.
0: Yeah, so so the panel was pretty cool. And it gave me a lot of stuff to think about. Uh, but so So basically, on the panel... It was interesting because it was kind of a combination of some people that were actively involved in making comic books uh, one of the guys who was part of the panel um was a, an older guy who has been kind of a big advocate for non-traditional sexuality and specifically bisexuality in comics and has mm. and now runs a publishing company that specifically makes Characters that are bisexual or trans or other things like that, that makes graphic Mm. novels about that, which is very cool. Um, But then there were also some people that were a little more on the political side of it who did more like lobbying the White House and, Mm. um, uh, you know, creating campaigns like Dedeker and I, we were talking about this earlier uh, that the show Constantine, that was on a few years ago, uh, is based on a you know series of comics, and the character of Constantine in the comics is bisexual. Like that is part of the canon of that character. Uh, and on the TV show, they just kind of left that part out. They didn't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. actively deny it. They just didn't address it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what their campaign was, and I thought this was interesting because a lot of times you hear people complaining about, the lack of representation in the media or something like that. It's like, yeah, but what are you doing about it? That's constructive and not Mm. just complaining. And the, what they did basically was this campaign to spread awareness online about the fact that the character of Constantine is bisexual. So much so that in press conferences and interviews that the network would have to address that question you know, it's not saying like, Hey, we're going to boycott this show. Cause they're like, no, we liked the show. Like we love comic book stuff. Like we, we mm-hmm. loved the show. <laughs> we weren't trying to hurt the show. We didn't have anything against the actors, but we just didn't want them to be able to ignore this fact, uh, I see. Uh, which kind of ties into our topic for this first section, which is about by erasure is the, yeah, the that's, term that's, that's used for this
1: yeah that's so fascinating um to look at it that way because i know that you know what i've seen i feel like for a long time um both you know in my own like bisexual slash pansexual explorations as Mm -hmm. well as you know connecting with other people in the bi community that um there's just like not we don't have an actual neutral tolerant acceptable space for bisexual people um, and what I mean by mm-hmm. that is like, like, and a like there's no valid space, you know, like we, what we've talked about on this podcast before is the fact that, um, with women, with female bisexuality, it's looked at as not serious. It's looked at as maybe playful or fetishistic, um,
0: like kind know, of with
1: experimental, right? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Like with the assumption that either. The woman is straight and is just having some girlish fun, or mm-hmm. that she's gay, and of course she would still sleep with men sometimes because, like who wouldn't like how, who doesn't it, want a dick right <laughs> it's sort of this this discrediting the idea that bisexuals can actually exist,
1: mhm, yeah, 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 and then, and so that's the thing is like within the straight community, it's just not taken seriously within the lesbian community, I know that like there's a lot of frustration over bisexual women because uh, of those perceptions, like being perceived that, Oh, you're just coming in here just to like play and then go back to the world of heteronormativity. Um, right. And then on the side for men, you know, that obviously bisexuality in men is considered to be very serious. You know, like it's a big deal if a man comes out as bisexual, but then there's the same but issue. It's is the that, same like,
0: issue. Yeah. That, that, yeah, they that, don't, straight, you, that the straight right.
1: community sees them. Oh, you're just gay. Um, you're not actually straight. And the gay community sees them as like, oh, like, maybe you're actually gay, but you don't want to have to give up the privileges of identifying as straight.
0: Right. Like um, you, or or you, you're gay. You just haven't quite gone there all the way yet.
1: Exactly. Like, you just haven't committed to it yet. And so, right. like,
0: that, that it gets, on both that,
1: sides. Right. You yeah. get
0: pushed toward one or the other. That the mm-hmm. lesbian community and the straight community pushes women toward straight. And both mm-hmm. the gay community and the straight community push men toward gay if they want to say yeah. that they're bisexual.
1: And so it's so interesting, you know, that you're talking about the fact that this happens so often in the media. Like, you mentioned specifically mm-hmm. the fact that, like, no show will actually say the word bisexual.
0: Well, yeah, that's what Even, I was, I was going to get to that, yeah. too. Yeah. That, that that's something that we've recently seen a lot of characters which are bisexual on TV. Uh, you know, not not just Constantine that didn't get addressed, but uh, shows like Orange Is the New Black, where Piper is very clearly with men and with women. Uh, we have shows like House of Cards, where Frank Underwood is with men and with women multiple times now in the course of the show. Mm. Uh, you know, there's there's many many other examples. Those are just sort of the two like really big hot ones right now. But nobody ever says the word bisexual on any of those shows. Like, literally the word never gets uttered. And in this discussion that I that I was listening to in this panel, they were talking about how, uh, you know, that a lot of times the argument for that is like, well, you know, they just don't want to be labeled by that or, you know, that it's something, you know, bigger than needing to label it. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's good. And I would be fine with a character not wanting to be put into a box or not wanting to be labeled but someone should at least be able to ask them that question. Mm. But like even that that there's no one on the show who even says like oh so are you bisexual mm. like mm-hmm. utters the word and for them to say like well I prefer not to be labeled but I'm this, right? Uh-huh. Like that that it's just you literally can't say the word at all. That it's That's it's so kind of this this taboo word. And it had never really occurred to me. Um, but that that's the issue. Uh, and a funny little aside, actually, that one of the, one of the women on the panel was talking about is that they have a, um, like her sort of claim to fame is as a bisexual book critic. Uh, so she has a, a blog. Like she
1: criticizes bisexual books or she is bisexual and a book critic?
0: Uh, both. Um, oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> both, both, you know, offers that perspective on mainstream books, but also, like, specifically uh, looks for bisexual books to talk about oh, on, okay, her, on her blog. And what she was talking about was this joke that she has with her friends who, who do the site with her. I think there's three of them that, that do the site. And it's this game of, like, detective that you play when reading mm. the backs of books. Because no book will ever say the word bisexual.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That it's always going to be like, um, you know uh, an exploration of non-traditional relationships and self-discovery <laughs> for this young woman uh-huh. on her journey to what, <laughs> right. It's like this, this like hidden uh-huh. code language <laughs> on her journey to, to an <laughs> all
1: girls university. Uh,
0: right. Right. That it's like uh-huh. all hidden in this code about like huh. non-traditional and exotic and, and uh-huh. unexplored and mysterious. Yeah. And like these code words that are kind of substituted <laughs> for this, uh, that's yeah so it's a, it's a really fascinating <laughs> really fascinating thing huh. um, yeah uh, and then the other thing that that it brought up for me was they talked a lot about all the different labels They did a thing at the beginning where they said you know everyone who who identifies as bisexual like stand up like everyone who identifies as pansexual everyone identifies as um you know non-binary. Uh, everyone who identifies as trans You know, like, whatever like, They kind of went through this whole list And they kind of made this, this sort of short offhand joke About, like, yeah, there's so many labels But, like, that's that's the point Like, like when people ask us Like, why are there so many different labels? We're like, well, yeah, that's the point That's what we gotta do mm-hmm. And it made me kind of wonder about this Of, like, why? Like, why, why do we need all of them? And I don't mean that to say that we don't but just actually mm-hmm. the question of why. Because it's something that I get caught up on, and, and I know that Emily's talked about this, and Dedeker, I think you have too, of, of mm-hmm. the the label of bisexual has kind of this connotation or like yeah. it's sort of loaded. I don't want to say a connotation yeah. like one specific thing. Uh-huh. But but it's kind of loaded. And so I don't always love using that term. But yeah. then I don't necessarily have another one that I like better in terms of like pansexual or omnisexual or 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 polysexual you know, I, or whatever. I, that's yeah. the thing. I
1: find myself um just slipping into the same thing that I end up doing with polyamory, which is in like I'll say it but I have to follow it up with an explanation of what it means.
0: Sure. And, yeah. and
1: not not as in like you're an idiot and you don't know what it means, but as in like Let this me is clarify. what it means to me. Let <laughs> yeah. me clarify. This is what it means in my yeah. life, you know. So like yeah. that means me going on to to say something like, well, I've been I've dated both men and both women. Um, like my preferences for men, I I tend to be more demisexual when it comes to my relationships with women, which goes, which means I have to go on to explain what demisexual means to me. Um, right, right, That it, it has to become a much bigger conversation rather mm-hmm. than just saying, "Yeah, I'm bi." Yeah. Um, because as as we've discussed, you know, just a man standing up and saying, "Yes, I'm bi," or a woman standing up and saying, "Yes, I'm bi," carries these these totally different cultural meanings.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the things, uh, another thing on the panel that that because I was asking myself this question about labels, and one of the guys on the panel, a different guy who is a, a comic book artist who has a lot of gay or bisexual characters that he creates, and he was saying that for many years when he would be interviewed or would get introduced to different places, it would be as like the first. Um, openly gay author to write for whoever and I forget the company now, but he wrote for like a, a major mm-hmm. um, a, a major comic book publisher. Um, and so and, and, and the characters he wrote weren't always gay uh, mm-hmm. or, or bi or anything like that, but it was known that he was with a man. At the time, and so mm-hmm. was introduced as the openly gay, whatever. Like, that was his mm-hmm. title in these interviews. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was saying, he's like, and for so many years, he's like, I'm so used to just not giving a fuck about what people think <laughs> of me that I just let it go. Uh, uh-huh. And he's like, and it wasn't until I hit this point where I was doing an interview, and in the interview with them, like in the discussion with them, talked about how this happened to me, like how this kept happening to me. Uh huh. And that the the person interviewing him also shared the fact that that happened to them, um, and then later, when introducing him, did it.
1: Interesting. Well,
0: like when they wrote the actual article and when they tweeted I about see. it, they they did that. They you know called him the openly gay. So wait, gay so just to clarify,
1: so he's bi. he's bisexual. Yes, I see. But because of that he was with a man at the time that he was. They would just call him Referred gay. to yeah. as just gay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: and that he finally kind of had this moment of like, fuck, like these people I talk to, they understand it. I understand it. Yet they did it anyway in writing their article. And so he's like, finally was like, I have to address this. And so, mm. you know, started that discussion, like in response to them on Twitter and talked about that. Mm-hmm. And he said that since then, it's been something that he's been working on finding a way to do it that's not coming across as adversarial but just, mm, you know, mm-hmm. not wanting to sort of discredit what they're trying to do, yeah. but kind of saying hey, actually, uh, you know, let me just clarify real quick because it's that bi-erasure thing. It's that idea that bisexual yeah. doesn't exist. We have to call it something else because no one will accept mm-hmm. that because it doesn't exist. <laughs> sort it. of the Got the it. idea. Cool. So from this, we're gonna move on to talk about dating. Uh mm-hmm. some some challenges for that are different for men and women in terms of dating and okay cupid and also kind of this ideal of what is the what is the ideal male and the ideal female. Yeah.
1: to get you not just the fifty percent discount, but also the one hundred percent free shipping. Code M U L T I.
0: Let's get back into okay.
1: this. Let's. What are we? We jumping back into dating?
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk yeah. about some some differences in, in dating for men and women.
1: Okay, so first of all, I mean, we can just talk from personal experience here as well, right? Um, because I believe you, on your dating profile, you identify mm-hmm. as hetero flexible.
0: Yeah. Yes. Again, talking about have all the labels. I- I'm, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't. Have you
1: ever identified as like bisexual, pansexual?
0: I, I haven't listed mine as bisexual on OkCupid. Okay uh, uh-huh. No, I don't think I've actually listed it as that. Yeah. Um, Got it. Again, it's one of those things where I'm like, none of, like they all, all the labels have sort of a connotation with them. Mm-hmm. That's not like, it's not like none of them are, are adequate unfortunately Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, But yes, but, but since listing that, uh, and, and I made that change, uh, probably, gosh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, uh, maybe Mm -hmm. a little less than a year ago, actually. Uh, and it definitely changed the type of messages and the frequency of messages that I get on mine. Yeah. Uh, with the main thing being that now I get messages from men, uh, and that, as won't surprise anybody who has used OKCupid uh, once. Once it was possible, like once I show up in search results for men, I get a lot more messages than I mm-hmm. did because men are much more likely to send out initial messages than women are,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and so I get more messages. Still not a ton, but what was interesting is that I also get more messages, like more unsolicited messages from women for, or from you know people who identify as female. Mm-hmm. than I did before as well. Because as a guy on mm. OK Cupid, as a as a hetero guy on OKCupid, okay you get almost no messages ever. Yeah. Like you're yeah. you're the initiator of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh that maybe I would get a message to me every few months, maybe. Mm. Uh and I found that since changing my status to just anything that's not heterosexual, <laughs> um, I actually get more messages from women. And part of it is that uh Okay, Cupid allows you, if you're not heterosexual, allows you to make your profile not viewable by straight people.
1: Oh, interesting!
0: And it's a controversial feature that, that some people have a big problem with, but oh, really? it's there for the purpose. Well, because it allows some discrimination that no one else gets. I see. It, right? It's this idea I of see. like, well, why can they discriminate against one group? And others I can't see. do that. Like someone else couldn't say. So as
1: in, why can I not say like, oh, I don't want any gay people to look
0: at my right, right profile. I right. see. Got it. Um, but I understand the reasoning behind it. It is just that, yeah, you want to feel like it's a safe place for you to to express this, and the people that you tend to not be safe from are <sighs> heterosexual people. people. Yeah, which is Jesus. is a really sad thing. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, in in making my profile. You know, viewable by them because it goes the other way too. If you have yours that like straight people can't see me, you can't view them either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that does at least go both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, that I found that I received more messages from women as well, and I don't know this for sure, but probably because they fall in that category where they've they've I blocked see. these profiles, but because they feel like they're in a safer place, maybe are more mm-hmm. likely to write the initial messages themselves.
1: I see. Got it. Um, then, or just because you're super hot.
0: Aw, well, thanks. But Aww. I didn't get them before, Aww. so something changed. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I got hotter? Maybe you hotter? got hotter, I don't know. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, uh, thanks. So, I mean, what are the like, the kind of messages that you get from men?
0: Oh, hey, what's up?
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds about right.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's that. Um, I've actually gotten some some kind of, you know, nice, nice opening messages. They're generally pretty short, pretty simple, Mm -hmm. uh, shorter than the messages that I normally write. If I'm writing Mm -hmm. the initial message to someone, um, Mm -hmm. which has made me think maybe I write too long of messages. Uh, but anyway, (laughs) but usually it's just like, you know, a short, you know, Hey, what's up? Hey, cutie, whatever. Uh Um, yeah. which you know, as most people on OKCupid would know, doesn't get a lot of response. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
1: you mentioned right. about like men kind of seeking to figure out what mm. "quote unquote" like type of heteroflexible you are, or what exactly your motivation is in.
0: Yeah, well, so in choosing so that something that that you were talking about earlier, Dedeker is the how you're, uh, you know, bisexual, but with women you're more demisexual. Yeah, and
1: let's clarify that for our listeners in case they don't know.
0: So demisexual, Um, yeah, go for it. You you do it.
1: Yeah, so so people who identify as demisexual, generally they don't feel sexual attraction for someone or they don't feel an impulse to have sex with someone until after they've developed some kind of emotional bond with that person. And that can be different, different levels of intimacy for each person. But basically, right. like there needs to be some kind of closeness or some kind of intimacy that could be romantic, could be a friendship. There needs mm-hmm. to be some kind of bond there before they actually experience a sexual attraction to them.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind of an offshoot of, of asexual. So it's people who mm-hmm. tend to gravitate a little more toward asexual, where they might have romantic mm-hmm. relationships, but don't feel as much of a, a sexual drive. Mm-hmm. um as as like seems to be the typical norm uh so yes but it's kind of saying like well i don't feel no sexual drive but mm-hmm. like you said it kind of it requires some other things first
1: yeah i've definitely found for me um even just in like like you know checking out women on the street like first of all i'm like super super picky um sure and like if i d- if i do see a woman that i am attracted to that i think is attractive um like my first thought is not like wow it'd be fun to like sleep with her my first thought is like i want to hang out with her and find out what kind of a person she is
0: sure Sure. you know um, yeah. which
1: is like different from like if i see an attractive man on the street i might maybe more likely to be like oh like like he seems sexy or you know like that it's more of a physical right. thing versus yeah. like with my attraction to women it's kind of requires a little bit more thought process behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so, yeah, so that's something that, and, and the reason why I brought that up is because I'm uh, similar in terms of of how I relate to men, is that it is a little bit more of a demisexual sort of a thing as well, uh, which is interesting because that is the opposite from my understanding of how a lot of men who are hetero, hetero-flexible or bisexual relate to men that mm-hmm. a lot of times the women are the one that they have romantic relationships with and the men they just hook up with have sex mm-hmm. with just cuz mm-hmm. it's cause it's easy and it's fun and it's a way to get off or something like
1: that yeah i feel like i've heard a lot of like bisexual men expressing this feeling of like like sometimes i just want to cock and like but that's it like once I'm done with right. the cock, then I'm like done with the guy. And that's like, that's all I'm
0: interested in. Right. Right. And that, and that, so the question that I've gotten sometimes, like in, in guys talking to me is this sort of like, oh, so you're heteroflexible. Like, is that because you actually date guys or because you just want to get your D sucked? That's a quote mm. that I'm specifically quoting from a message I got. <laughs> um and I and I just didn't even respond to it because I was like, I don't even wanna have this conversation. Really that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it is kind of there is this assumption, and to go back to sort of this gender difference in the way that we treat bisexuals, there's also this idea that for a man to be bisexual, it must come from this like intensely sexual, very physical place. Mm. Um and for a woman to be bisexual uh that it's that it is kind of more accepted that it would be more from a romantic standpoint or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or more of a playful standpoint rather than like mm-hmm. a serious physical sexual attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that it's, yeah. that it's a little more from the fact that it's not threatening or like the camaraderie they have with other women or, or something yeah. like that, that there's kind of this dismissiveness on both sides. So, so with all this discussion, It's and like what I experienced at this panel at Comic-Con is that it's really easy to get caught up in the frustration with how bisexuality is getting erased in popular culture Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, how one gender or the other is so unfairly treated in one way or another or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, uh, we won't get into this now, but we were talking about, there's some scientific studies showing especially that liberal people weight fairness a lot higher in terms of their value judgments and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And that that can lead to a lot of frustration and a lot of, of not only, you know, anger or, you know, motivation for changing things, but a lot more often just in terms of being upset a lot of the time, mm-hmm. being unhappy. Mm-hmm. And something that we try to really focus on, on this show is Understanding that there are challenges and there are difficulties, but not letting that be the force that mm. you know that like not letting that be the defining feature of the way that we talk about
1: mm. our experience
0: as polyamorous people or as yeah. as non-hetero people or whatever it is, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to get a little spiritual at the end here and have okay, our
1: yeah, let's bring the boot on yeah,
0: so. Um, Something that really struck me in reading about Buddhism a couple of years ago was the idea of fairness. That in Buddhism, fairness is something that's talked about specifically as something that in order to end our suffering, we need to accept the fact that unfairness exists Hmm. and that it always has and it always will. Like that the universe is not fair. There's not some sort of cosmic... Justice And it, that's sort of a big misunderstanding with things like karma is mm, that, yeah. that karma is not the universe keeping score. It's mm-hmm. not the universe restoring balance to things. It's a much bigger picture thing than that. Yeah. So each individual, our life is not going to be fair, both in good ways and bad ways. Like there will, there are ways in all of our lives that we get things that are unfairly good and things that are unfairly bad
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Some people will have more one than the other. And that's just, that just is, that is life. And that's not something that can be changed as a fact itself. So the question is, what do we do with this unfairness? Um, And so this is from an article on the tiny Buddha or on just tiny Buddha, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a great website for inspiration and things like that. Mm -hmm. This is about knowing what we can control and doing something about it versus knowing what we can't control and letting go of that. And it says, We can't change mistreatment that has happened in the past, but we can address mistreatment that's happening now. We can't change someone else's decision or behavior if they aren't willing to change, but we can change how we respond to them and choose to help educate and positively influence them. We can't change the tragedies that have occurred in our own lives or in places around the globe, but we can support causes that seek to prevent future tragedies or even spearhead our own. And we can't guarantee specific outcomes for our actions, but we can increase our odds of making a difference by being clear-headed, patient, and consistent. What's important mm. is that we try to move beyond them so we don't let the things that we can't control take control of us. Mm. And I just really love this because yeah. it's, I, it happens to me a lot. I get caught up in the unfairness of things and I get frustrated about it. And it Mm stops me from enjoying the advantages that I do have, or it stops me from appreciating the things that I do have or when things do go well, Mm because I'm still caught up in this repetitive feedback loop, (laughs) right. Of thinking about unfairness. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's very common within the liberal, you know, non, non, uh, how do I describe it? Like non-status quo communities, right? Like non-hetero or non-gender conforming or, you know, whatever it is that we can get caught up in these feedback loops of being frustrated.
1: What I've said to people for a number of years is that, you know, if you are somebody who, who does identify in a non-status quo community, if you're Mm -hmm. trans or intersex or bisexual or pansexual or poly or whatever it is, like the best thing you can do to make a change and to change someone's opinion is to just demonstrate your happiness is to be like the best possible version of yourself um, and be happy, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like that's really, you know, outside of like trying to debate with someone outside of trying to like verbally berate someone into changing their mind. um, The best thing you can do is just be Positive. I'm going to sprinkle in some more Christianity by saying you can be a light.
0: Oh man. See, I was going to go with Michael Jackson and say,
1: I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Michael, some sort of weird Michael Jackson, hybrid Christianity, <laughs> uh, monstrosity piece yes. of advice is what yes. we'll leave you with.
0: All right. Or, or I guess we could say like, be the change you want to see in the world. Throw some oh, Gandhi so, in there. It's, it's so, so played cliché, out, but I know it's
1: so cliche, but it's so
0: played out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so 1972
0: <laughs> <Like>. uh yes <yeah. laughs> all right well, everyone thank you so much for listening um i hope that this was fun i i really enjoy this topic this is something that i yeah. could talk about for days um, seriously as you can as you can tell by how long we talked about this on this episode <laughs> But uh, please let us know, like some things that I would love to hear from you guys uh, on you know on Twitter uh, or in the comments for this, or send us an email or in the Patreon group or the Facebook group anywhere is about labels. You know what's Mm -hmm. what's your relationship to labels? This is something that I really do sincerely have a question about in terms of. You know, in in what ways do you think that labels are important to you? Like, h- why is it that you feel like labels are important if they are? Um, and if they're not to you, you know, why not? Are you opposed to them? Or is it just something that you don't bother with? Or You know, are, are you mm-hmm. label agnostic? Or are you actually like anti-labels? Um, all of this. Like, I really want to have a discussion about that. Because it's something I've been thinking about a lot since going to this panel. Uh, and talking about all of that. All right.
1: All right. Well, that's that for this week. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can find us on Twitter at multiamory, on Facebook multiamory. And again, check out our Patreon page, which is patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash multiamory.
0: All right. Thank you so much. We'll see you s- next week. See you next week. Sayonara. Bye.